How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Legion's Lounge. I'm your producer, Matt Waller. And I'm joined by your host, Taylor. How's it going tonight? It's uh, great to be back. Um, I know we had a we had a lull in the last week, and um, but because for us Canadians, it was uh, it was Family Day weekend, so we didn't really get a chance to uh, to do any recording. It was a busy holiday for everybody, so it's great to be back and uh, another another podcast in and early uh, your your typical uh, monday morning release so but we got a we got a, another special guest with us today we got kevin with us today kevin how you doing tonight I guess i'm not too bad how are you <laughs> i'm doing pretty good yeah so Kev, kevin's a kevin's a brand new player into our uh, into our community um by brand new i mean like only a couple weeks now i think um you know uh he's i think stumbling across us uh what through the original Kickstarter, I believe, maybe? Uh, no, actually, it was through Nerds Cafe's website. Oh, okay, oh, really nice. Okay. So, have you always, like yeah. always been a TCG player, or is this like your first TCG? This is my first. I, well, I played Pokemon for a little bit, mm-hmm. but this is my first actual TCG. Um, I was always interested in Magic when mm-hmm. it first came out, but I did not know anyone that played it. And <clears throat> then I started playing uh, Pokemon with my son. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking for places nearby where, you know, I could go to play. And then I saw uh, Legion on Nerd Cafe's website. And then mm-hmm. I started checking into it. And I watched, that was actually just before the tournament at Nerd Cafe on that weekend. And I oh, watched okay. some videos of people playing live. And then, you know, just got really interested in it. Yeah, no, it's a it's an amazing game. Um, so, so which legion have you like started gravitating towards as you started the game? Well, I was interested originally in the undead, mm-hmm. and then I started looking. So I bought the, the battle box for the undead and titans, and I started looking at titans. I got really interested in that, and so I've been playing them for a while now. Titans are super fun. I have never really gotten fully around to like building them yet, but in theory, they seem super fun. Like well, I know, I know we managed to uh, get early on. We um, managed to connect. You joined the Discord server pretty early, um, and you know, you, you you jumped in. We had a you and I had a personal conversation, Kevin, I believe, and uh, we yeah. set up a time to to meet at Nerds um, yeah. and uh, for me to you know walk you through the game and, and teach you um, the decks that you were interested in. I believe we did a we did a run through with with the undead at that time. That's correct. So, what did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you feel about just the the early, right, right from the very beginning, the grassroots, the, the sit down, learn through? Um, what was your first impressions? Well, my first impressions was it was an easy game to learn, but still complicated enough to keep you interested in it. So it wasn't too simple like Pokemon, but it wasn't too complicated like Magic. Exactly. And a person like me who has no experience can get into and still get challenged as well. No, exactly. And I think that's something that's amazing is how it's like one of those easy to pick up, difficult to master games. Right? Like, I don't know, I've been well, that's weird. I've been playing the game for like a year now. That's weird to me. Has not felt like a year. But um I'm still learning things to this day. Right. So it's it's one of those things where it's like you pick it up, but it's you can always like there's you can always learn more and it, it's very interesting because it's difficult yeah. to master and i have no idea when i'm going to master it you know well and i, yeah, I think, I think... Oh, go for it Kevin. oh no go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say i think that uh i think that that that's the challenge when it comes to um when it comes to different things when it, in the design space um, I don't think it gets talked about enough about um, the principles of design and how design affect and come into everything. And one of those things that I say is that when you really dive into the meat and potatoes of how things are built, how things are put together, there's always emphasis on flashy cards. There's always emphasis on cool high rarity pulls and chase and booster boxes and stuff. But the actual design and build of a game, it uh, it really gives you a new um, it, it makes you step back and, and become a student yourself. And that's what I found when I was designing this, 
because um, like exactly like Kevin said, you want to make sure that it's not too complicated where it scares off new players, but you also don't want it to be so easy that you get bored. The, the, the people that come into it, they're like, oh, I figured it out, it's solved, and I'm going to go back to playing my other games now, right? So you have to have enough to get them hooked, but enough to also on the other side to, to keep it interesting and that it can always evolve. No, exactly. And something I feel is that, like, I don't know, I, this was my first TCG as well, and I, I picked up the game, I'd say, relatively, like, early on. But I, um, and I just started trying to learn more and more. Like, there's there's so much to learn, like, so many different ways that cards combo, and it's it's so fun and so interesting. I also so, find that, you know, buying cards, you start to learn more and more that there's different aspects of, like, to Titan deck, there's different ways you can play it. Exactly. And so it gives you a little bit more complexity to the game and how you want to build your deck. Mm-hmm. Especially with, like, the the new set Empires coming out, like, ooh, that complexity is going to so much. <laughs> <laughs> Double well, eye decks. Think, I think you make a good point there, too, Matt, is that... Um, now is a great time for players to enter into the game because mm-hmm. our card pool is a decent size with you know three sets being out plus the decks. Um, and card pool is a decent size, but Empire is going to come in and, and increase that card pool significantly. But it also is going to um, level the playing field even more so for new players because even with the veterans playing already, um, this is a new set, new characters, new warlords, new decks that are coming. Exactly. So it puts everybody back on that ground zero of learning. Exactly. Um, There's like a slight difference in understanding, but I feel like generally it's relatively the same, right? Like I'm not saying I'm going to be able to beat like AJ. That's, that's a challenge in itself. But like, for example, it's like, I don't know. I feel like people that are like better than me, I feel like I might have a more fair chance since we're all learning how to play the decks all together and learning how to play against them. Well, I, I think people like Kevin are going to have an advantage coming into oh, Empire, 100%. to be honest. And the reason why I say that is because I think that the veterans are going to, like the people who've been playing for a year or a little more, are going to come into the game or come into this set and they're going to have, you know, rose tinted glasses, right? They're going to come in with like, oh, I already know what I'm going to play. Um, I'm looking at the spoilers. I understand the play lines. This is going to work into this deck I already have and stuff like that. They're they're not going to see things with a fresh set of eyes. They're going to see things with with intricate play lines or, or structures or deck builds that they've already been used to. And now they just make some tweaks where I think players, new players like Kevin are going to come in and see the game in a very new light in the fact that it's, it's going to be fresh. And I think he's going to come across play lines or combos that experienced players um, who have been playing for a while, I'm not going to see right away um, because they're already set in their ways kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm very excited to learn the new Warlords. I feel some of them may be a tad frustrating, especially Malady. I feel like learning her is going to be very difficult. It's a... Uh, I'm having trouble building the deck, like, in theory right now. I know that not everything is spoiled, but a vast majority of things are. So I'm trying to put pieces together, but it's it's difficult because so many good cards and it's like, I'm not even trying to like say that. It's just like, there's so many good cards and it's hard to narrow it down to like a consistent number for that deck, which is giving me a lot of problems, I'd say. Well, and, and so that philosophy with deck building, I'm going to ask Kevin here, as a new player, um, obviously in any game coming in, deck building can be a, ta- a daunting task just because um, you're new to the game. There's so many cards to learn. Um, there's there's just different interactions that you're not used to. So you're trying to learn how to play while also trying to learn how to build your deck. So um, where do you feel that you, you are with that? Um, is deck building just overwhelming or is it a point where has the community helped you with that? Um, you know, uh, where where do you feel? Are, are you feeling like it's a? Well, it's one of those me, I'm gonna learn, or yeah. 
for me, I find it very intimidating building a deck. Mm. And thank God for the community because <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to start. Everyone has been amazingly helpful with building a deck, with suggesting cards, and it's been it's been unbelievable. And how great the community has been about this. Because for me, because I'm I'm new to trading cards, I don't know what I'm doing, and mm. they're being so helpful when it comes to building and how to what how to build it, what kind of cards to use, what's the best, like how many warriors, how many fortified, how many unified. Well, exactly, and I, I feel like that's the most difficult part is each deck has very different ratios that they want, which can be very confusing at times, but I was once in that position where I had no idea how to build anything, so I spent a while learning how to like build each of the decks to a, a basic degree, and then I tried making a just a base starter list, I think up to Frontiers, I think... Um, this was before the Veil Pierce cards were restricted. Um, however, it's a good baseline for anyone who's wanting to start. Now, granted, some of them aren't the best, um, but some of them have done me very well. So I, I think, I think that's a, a very good thing because I really wanted to help the community with that because deck building as someone who's went, went in blindly is very, yeah. very difficult. Just because you kind of get overwhelmed by all the sheer amount of cards. Like I said, yes. I think that happens a lot in, in other games too. Um, we tried to make the game as streamlined as possible. Going back to that whole principle of design is having only three types of cards in your deck in terms of a warrior, a unified, or fortified. Um, hmm. You know, that's, that's the, at bare bones. It's not like you're having to have 16 to or even 10 different card types, you only have three, right? So um, now just juggling the ratios between those three uh, is where the nuances and the challenges come from. But I think just on a bare bones philosophy when we designed it is just to have those those three card types was to try and make it as easy as we could um, and welcoming as we could for new players. And I, I think that's where the starter decks come in and give you a good baseline exactly um, they give you yeah. a good a good baseline for ratios and stuff and then from there you can as you get um packs and and boxes and cards whether it be from opening them or from the community or whichever is that you can they you know with the help of our great community that kevin mentioned already is you know swapping out one card for another um and then just understanding what you like to play and what you don't and what your play lines and strategies are and then there's different cards to be played based on the way you like to play the game yeah exactly i feel which i know you gotta go ahead okay so i was just gonna say because i just started building a hero's deck and i've noticed from looking at the cards that there's multiple ways you can build your deck your legion mm -hmm. to suit your needs 100 percent Right now, the main two are Fandorian and Resistance. I don't want to get into that debate of which is better. It's very hot-headed, but but I think they're both well, yeah, very right now good. For... Go right now, my cards are primarily our Resistance, so I don't I don't have many Fandorian yet, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Well, I think we're a good a good example of that is that you know I saw that it was yesterday or the day before Kevin you jumped in back in the Discord you you left a message in there for everybody um, asking that you like you picked up the hero deck and you wanted to try it out and then you you posted your deck list in there and I yeah. believe like late last night Hunter jumped in and uh, and helped you gave you some feedback on some cards and what you might be looking for or you know what is good budget versions what are what are good uh, what are good um, choices here or there so going back to that whole aspect of the community um is that is that your favorite part of of the game thus far is there a is there something that, was, that, that sticks, sticks out more that was actually the biggest selling point to me is just how friendly and helpful everyone is like when i was looking i like, tried to get into magic no one would help you whereas here like i was just first time in the discord people were like oh yeah yeah let us know. We'll come out and we'll show you how to play. Like we'll come to you if you want. Mm -hmm. 
like everyone was so helpful towards us. It, 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 was a, it really was a big selling point to the game for me getting into it. Because everyone made me feel welcome. Everyone, like I did, people didn't make me feel like an idiot. People made me feel, you know, like, hey, we'll show you, we'll help you get into it. Well, exactly. I mean, I think that's the the right way to teach someone because we were all once there, right? So, like, why shame other people for not getting into it at the same time we did? Like, it's it's very much a thing. It's like, okay, I have my knowledge. I can pass that on to you and help you now. That's at least how I view things. And I've played with three different people so far, and all three of them have been very patient and very helpful with me and had taught me a lot on how to play my deck. Mm -hmm. I, I think that uh, I can't phrase it any other way. I think it's a buy-in mentality. Um, and what I mean by that is like the community has bought into the concept of of the whole aspect is we're new, we're a new game, we're a new community, but we only want to see good things. We mm -hmm. only want to see growth. We only want to see more cards, more expansion, more players. We only want to see more cool events. Um, you know, and I think that 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 buy-in mentality of, you know, I don't have to spend a bunch of money. I can just come in and get the baseline stuff and the community is there to help me with cards or ideas. Um, and, you know, even some of the veteran guys that have larger collections, they have no problem letting you borrow cards yeah. or, just, or just giving you cards to use um, or for you to keep. Right. It's it's that buy in mentality that everyone wants to see it grow and succeed. So when you come into that, it's a very welcoming, I feel. And, I, and kudos to the community like that is that has been you know it's the it's the thing i tried to start in the beginning is the kindling for a good community i tried to start in the beginning but the community has really just taken it and ran with it um and has done an excellent job where it makes my job a lot easier introducing games to new players uh if they want to learn directly from me or um or someone else it it, it makes it my job even easier in that regard of welcoming and opening the doors to new players because our community is like you know hey i'll i'll teach them or um like you just said i'll come to you to, to teach you how to play exactly um, i remember that I we were um i remember a little bit ago jake talked about uh 401 games and how they're having they might be having a, a learn to play night and like i don't know i, I feel like the community just celebrates like everything as a big win you know, there's like there's no negativity in this community, which I feel is just amazing. Yeah, it, well, it really is. It's hard. It's hard to believe, actually, that an online community can be so helpful <laughs> and think, and uh, welcoming. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of unfortunately there's a lot of toxicity in the world, um, and what they call a lot of armchair warriors that'll that'll uh, you know stay behind a screen and and attack people, but we haven't found that in our community, you know, like going through over all the people in our discord server, I've never had to take any corrective action against anybody. Um, you know, there's always, there's always construction criticism to be had, right? Like exactly. we're still, we're still a, a company in its infancy. Um, you know, there's always constructive criticism to be had. And some people may look at it as oh, this person's being negative, but they're really not um they're they're really just they're you know they're either super passionate about the game and want to see it succeed or they're just asking genuine genuine questions um, exactly to to learn more to understand the philosophy and principles you know um i i do my best to run the company uh the best way i see for the game to succeed and the best way i see for the for the community to continue to grow but you know i'm not without my mistakes um, you know, we saw that with some of the, some of the, the structure of jumping into crowdfunding for the first time, right? We, uh, we, we thought we came out with a, with a banger looking thing and a, and awesome products and awesome things. And we honestly believe we still have that. Uh, it's, but you know, though, though maybe the structure and the layout was, was overwhelming for some, right? Mm -hmm. Um, we've always been, we've always been here at Futureless Studios, always been that the presence is you get you get a good, one good first impression so let's let's blow the doors off the thing right and you know that's that's one that's one of our less learning lessons that we've done so far is sometimes less is more
right? And um, maybe being a, li a little more, uh, instead of trying to be explosion big fireworks, let's let's push the best of the best all the time. Sometimes taking a step back and looking at it um, from a different perspective. And that's, I, I come to that same philosophy when it comes to card design. Do I want this big explosive power thing? No, because then that might cause ripples later on. So it's just, all right, let's take a look at it with a different frame of mind, another another set of glasses basically, and and, and really go into the minutia of how this is going to affect that the big picture, right? Exactly. And speaking of the uh, the new Kickstarter is releasing fairly soon, correct? Yes, yeah, so March March sixth. We're going live March sixth. Uh, I know right now we are sitting on our on our page. I think it's like fifty nine followers as of the time of recording this right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that that landing page has only been up for a few days, so that's that's really good to see. The community once again is showing out and uh coming to support so um yeah we rejigged it we got a new uh a smaller funding goal um more streamlined um we went with a whole different feel this time around last time we really we really dove into this steampunk mentality of last time with the rust and the ooze and and uh you know the orc goblins coming up from the cavern and that's what we went with the first time but we understand that didn't necessarily appeal to everybody or it ended up becoming a like i said overwhelming so mm -hmm. we we scaled it back we rejigged some things we redid the the tiers um and with a smaller funding goal and made it more streamlined because ultimately it's about getting the cards to our awesome and growing community no no i'm, I'm if, super if, excited it's gonna be so, so nice am I. <laughs> i'm excited for the elves mm -hmm. you're gonna, you're yes. gonna play into the gambling I was going to yes. say that Kevin is an elf player or an elf fan through and through. So yeah, I am totally excited for the elves. When I read about them on the spoilers, I was reading it. So I'm like, that is my style. <laughs> Time to roll some dice, see what happens. Yep, yep. That's not, it. Sounds like a fun deck. It really have, does. So being an elf fan, Kevin, um, in other fantasy uh, genres and stuff um what do you now typically elves are associated if you're looking at lord of the rings are you looking at uh warhammer you're looking at magic you're um you know elves are typically the the uh the wise ones the ones that wield magic uh the ones that you know um are almost immortal live for a very long time you know uh, even in magic they're the ones that produce mana and they they ramp your deck faster and um, or they're often looked at if you look at Lord of the Rings with like what Legolas and his people and now they're archers and people that live in the forest and stuff. What do you think? How do you think that um, we took a different interpretation on elves this time around and that they were basically in legions pushed to the edge of extinction and the last surviving elves live either scattered amongst the realms or um, they, they are secluded into one castle floating on the edge of the world and how now? Um, with this new hero warlord coming, Angelica the Rogue Princess of Blades coming in uh, Empires on the Rise, new playable character for you. Um, she takes a different approach to elves is that she, for the longest time, has been hiding in the shadows. She jumps in and fights when she needs to, but everything is magic-based and taking a chance. Um, very cloak and dagger rogue style. Well, what do you feel about that? Okay, so I come from old school Dungeons and Dragons. Where, like, I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, when it was okay. advanced Dungeons and Dragons, not the uh, Wizards and Coast stuff. And I was in love with the Drow Elves. And so, and I find a lot of that kind of mixes into it because a lot of the Drow Elves, not all of them were all magic, there were a lot of them were rogues. And I, that's why I just love that. No, exactly. I mean, I think I really like the. The classic kind of spin to it. I, I feel like taking something that's like super wise and making them kind of like sneaky and gambly. It's it's very fun. I feel like it's going to be a very interesting deck to play against. Yeah. Because you see a generous nature get flipped. You don't know what the effect is going to be until that dice is rolled. 
or you see something happen, you don't know. Like, you have to predict all outcomes. Because once that dice is rolled, you can't stop the effect, which is so interesting to me. Yeah, and with that, as like for a new player, but also people listening to the podcast now, right now, and and learning about this, um, typically in competitive play, um, you know, you don't usually in other in other games, you don't usually see dice roll mechanics or dice roll effects being very competitive because, like exactly like you're saying, Matt, you don't know the outcomes. So, um, not having that sense of certainty when you play your cards usually steers a lot of competitive players away from decks like that um, because they want to know that when they play a card, it's guaranteed, everything counts, everything matters. So the trick in designing that was coming down to how were we going to make a deck that is inherently going to be fun because you're rolling dice um, and it's going to have that potential to just high roll and have one of those aha moments, I got you on, on a game of chance and really encapsulate that whole like fun of the Yahtzee kind of feel. Um, But at the same time, how do you make that viewed in a competitive player's eyes as a deck that they can pilot or play in a tournament? And that's where we really tried to find a a fine line um, with that deck. So we have a lot of cards that have, um, you know, a a double roll effect or Angelica herself being able to re-roll two dice. or, you know, we have effects that have, they're not just uh, one and done. They have, if you roll th- four dice, there's, you know, four or five different outcomes. So exactly. you're never just, you're never just like, oh, you, you whiffed on a dice roll. There's always a potential that you can get an outcome uh, that you want, right? And I mean, I think the thing with that deck is going to be the versatility of like thinking, okay, which outcomes are okay? And then when you roll, let's say you, I don't know, I'm, I'm sticking with Angelica's generous nature because that's the one I know best, um, where it's roll a one, you hurt yourself for 10, uh, two, I think you search your deck for a unified or fortified, and then three, you reveal a card and then draw it, four, you search your discard pile for unified or fortified, five, you reveal two, draw two. And then six, you deal the enemy for five. And I mean, I think the, like, let's say you are trying to, I don't know, roll like something where you search your deck, but all the other outcomes are okay. Besides the one that hurts yourself, you got to think, okay, if I roll this, I'm okay with anything else, but this, so on this, I reroll. That's at least the way that my mind goes to it. And it's very much thinking like, which is okay. Which which ones which do I want? Which ones are okay? Which ones do I need to reroll? And, and exactly going off of what Kevin said too about the those legacy like elves, those the um, the elves of old in uh, in D anD D is that it was you know D anD D you roll dice. So Kevin's not that's not uh, a different realm for him. Um, yeah. And the concept of the rogue elf. Uh, the cloak and dagger, the assassin-like thief or anything like that is that you ultimately, you don't know what's going to happen when you step out of the shadows. Uh, You don't know if you're going to need to just all of a sudden bail and use a smoke bomb and disappear. And it's just like, it's kind of like having a utility belt of all of these different um, outcomes that can happen when you jump into the fight or when you jump out of the fight um, or how you influence the game or the fight in itself. And that's what we really wanted to encapsulate in the rogue elves with the dice rolls. Also, it's also more satisfying when everything goes your way. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Like getting a proper combo off feels so good, but imagine when it's like entirely chance and it works. That would feel so good. I'm actually excited for that. Yeah, I'm waiting for. I'm just say I'm waiting for that. Kevin's gonna show up at a a bigger tournament and play against one of our top players and just, you know, roll perfect the entire game and just beat them. Well, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin rummages around through his bag for the dice. It's gonna roll him a four. That's that was a big. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, I want that. Yeah, no, that'd be funny. I'm super excited. 
personally, I'm trying to learn Malady and Marisod. However, they're both a little more complex on the deck building, which is something I've realized. Because Marisod is dragons and sprites, so it's you have to figure out a healthy mix between the two of them, which is very confusing for me. I do think coming out of Empires, that'll be the most complicated deck to build um, for most people when it comes to ratios, because having yeah. to play two different types of cards in one deck, um, and what I mean for anyone listening, two different types of cards, like Matt was saying, uh, half your deck is dragon and half your deck is sprite, but the sprites can turn into dragons, so you have to find the right ratio of how many of each type of card you're going to be playing um, and then find the ratio of how many warriors, how many unifieds, how many fortifieds based on how many dragons, how many sprites. And it's, it, it adds a level of depth to the deck um, as opposed to just being a turnkey deck. There's a, that deck's going to be a lot of, all the work for that deck is going to be done on your deck building table as opposed to in the game. Exactly. And I feel that's the exact same with Malady because Malady is just, it's its own challenge, but like Marisod's very interesting because I, I feel like Lady Dark Sky is so powerful in that deck because at least from the way that I've been looking at it, I haven't found many ways to eradicate your own dragons. Like to eradicate your own dragon warriors. Or to like get them from the discard pile into the eradication. So it's it's going to be very interesting because Dark Sky is just constant fuel for the hatch. Yes, and for those for those listening, um, Matt is diving great into the nuances of the deck. But to uh, <laughs> for those listening, um, Marisad is the mythical beast, new mythical beast warlord coming. Uh, like I said, her deck is based on sprites and dragons, but she utilizes this new uh, mechanic coming in the set too. Uh, that are these token cards that are crystal dragon eggs and they have this hatch ability that when they are destroyed or leave the field by card effect um they create uh they they bring a dragon from your eradication zone or your exile area and brings it into into play so that essentially you hatch the dragon egg so when you have cards like as powerful like lady dark sky the dust on dragon it's already a, a a card in the game that has the ability to destroy warrior cards on the field, um, but then, but also has the ability to just to eradicate itself to destroy another card. Um, doing that, coming in and it kills itself, eradicating it to blow up an egg. Egg hatches and brings back the dark sky. So it creates a. She builds her. She's she's a combo built in and of herself. Oh, 100%. So these are the kind of things that those those little nuances that uh, for new players like Kevin, right? those are you're going to see happen across the table from you and you're going to be like that's really cool right yeah um and i think i've seen like when you're playing your titans kevin already um i know you got a you got a chance to sit down with aj in your first ever like game in an event and uh you know he walked you through how to play the how to play the deck because you know titans are one of his decks and um you know i definitely saw it when i went to play against you again um later on that you already learned from him and he helped you with uh, some card choices and stuff like that. And it, and then on Thursday, you were able to pull off your first win, right? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's I think like that's the thing is the one thing though, is that because they're so helpful and they're, they explain, you know, what it is you want to do with that Legion and how it works better to like be successful with the Legion. For example, you know, you want to eradicate as much as possible to get the strength up. Exactly. Right. You want to, I like Titans cause they're, uh, I've, I actually haven't like fully played them, but I, I like them in theory cause they, they pump up one dude really big and then just yeah. explode the board. It's extremely fun. Well, and that's the, the thing, like I saw that you, you know, I did a demo with you, Kevin, um, with Undead. And it just so happens that the Undead starter deck is paired with the Titans. And yeah, I think you found, obviously, that you like the Titans even a little bit better than Undead. But, I mean, you built both decks already, I believe. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
I think that's the, the the joy of it is the fact that we we built each and every legion to have their specific way of playing uh, to try and encapsulate all the all the different types of play styles for for new or experienced players, and so you really have an option an opportunity to to build um, two or three different ways within a deck that or within a legion that was already more customized to your play style. Yeah. So it's exactly. it, once again, it's another way of adding depth as opposed to over complexity of, you know, if you came into a game and there was 40 different characters to choose from, it's like entering and playing a fighting game with the kids and you're just like, I don't know which character to choose, right? <laughs> yes. So when we have it where it's like there's eight legions, you can choose your choose your legion based on your play style and then choose your character from inside of that. We find that when you especially I think for new players coming in, that's my constant learning curve. That's what I'm trying to continue to keep in mind when designing new cards and new sets. What is going to be best for new players? Because that's how you grow, right? And I think yeah. that I think that coming in and I always refer to it like an art class where you walk into a blank canvas or a blank sheet of paper. That's really intimidating. Or a writer, you will look at a blank screen and trying to write how oftentimes you get writer's block because you don't really know where to start your story mm -hmm. or you don't know, or you don't know what you want to draw. But if someone puts restrictions on you right from the beginning and says, you can only draw within this box or your drawing has to have these four or five elements or your story has to have these characters. When when you give people a little bit of restriction within an open space, I find that creativity blossoms. Oh, 100%. It's like it's a it's a very interesting term called forced creativity. Right? Even though it's not forced, but it's like um for example, like old video games, right? Like um like the old Banjo and Kazooie games, they were so small on like how much space they could have that what, what had to be done is the like cries of all the characters are just the exact same cry of Banjo, but it's all the like same different, um, it's just different speeds and different pitches. So it's not actually taking up different memory. Like, I think it's a very interesting way because it puts a little bit of restrictions. So then, right, I feel some of that restriction being, hey, you can work within your legion and you can use the bounty realm but then you can also you can only have you have to have 50 to 60 cards i feel that's like the perfect restrictions yeah because technically you could make a deck with no warriors it may not function well but you can do it which i think is exactly the best part i think that that's what we did during the very beginning, right? By giving you restriction of minimum 50, maximum 60, now you have a 10 card window to play in. So there's a lot more creativity there. You see a lot of decks, you know, there's some decks that play at 60 cards. There's some that play right at 50 for consistency, but then there's some that mix in between and they, and they find that, you know, I need this card in the deck, so I'm fine going to 52 or to 55, right? And that's where right there off the beginning, we give you that baseline restriction. And then we also right off the beginning give you a, a restriction of whatever warlord you choose in a legion you have to play all cards of that color so now you've taken a, a mass card pool that would normally be overwhelming for people and you crop it down to all right you chose a color you can only play cards of that color so now you you condense that card pool down and then you can only have 50 to 60 cards so now you condense that card pool down again to the point where now it's like, okay, now I can really start to pick and get my ratios for nuances. And I think that's where, um, I think that's where you're gonna find success in deck building there, Kevin, is that, you know, you you play in Prometheus and Titans, then immediately you go, okay, Prometheus uses the primordial cards. So then now let's pull all my Titan cards out of my binder or out of my collection, look, put them out on the table and now pick all the primordial cards out of it. Yeah, because now all of those are all the cards that work with Prometheus. So now the the what would appear as a daunting card pool is now much more accessible and easier to create. I feel. Yeah, but it's just not now. It gets to the point where now you have to figure out okay, what cards work better with what cards. So what kind yeah. of like comboing your cards off is now the more complicated aspect. 
exactly now you you you've honed in your deck building but now it's just like now i, I you got to learn the play lines of the deck and which yeah. cards work with which yeah now i know matt he's uh he's been someone who you know approached deck building in a much different way like he mentioned earlier in this podcast that he uh that he did you know he went across jack of all trades and built a baseline for every deck and that's where he found is a good starting point where there's a lot of other people that jump into the game and they're going to they're going to pick one legion they're going to build that legion and they're going to try and perfect that legion before they jump to anything else right it's people work in sections or in different ways and that's where i think legions has that opportunity to to specialize the way you want um but i know matt came in and 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 set out all these deck lists and then now i've noticed as the year has gone on and that i've known him for that he's gone uh he's really dove into play lines mm-hmm. he knows the baselines of the decks and now it's just like how do i streamline these how do i get them the most efficient and oh, exactly. i think that that shows the growth because when he first came in it was you know i don't i don't i don't think matt's ever been mad about losing in a game um, no, I think never. it's a, a matter of like he takes everything with uh, that he's that he's, he takes it as a learning experience, right? And he sees someone pull off a playline that he didn't see before, and it's like, oh, maybe I should try that, but I have an, a different idea, a different take on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been super beneficial to Matt's growth as a player. Um, and I know that there's other people that have taken a similar route like that, and I, I can see that already with you, Kevin. I'm just in the early early times of playing is that you know um right off the bat you were like oh, let's let's try undead and then you you started building titans and now i see you're working on a hero list right yeah so yeah, it, well, it, it seems like you're you're expanding and you're wanting to just kind of soak it all in first before you start fine-tuning things yeah oh, so i built up my heroes deck i got my undead deck and my legion and my titan sorry but, I, you know, watching other people, like when I've been playing against other people, like when I played against Jasper, he played the demons. I'm like, wow, that was unbelievable the way he played them. But I also learned a lot from playing them. And I also learned where, you know, where I made mistakes when I should have played cards and I didn't play them. I feel playing against demons and playing against angels have the hardest learning curve. <laughs> because you have to, like... Like, let's say even if I was playing Titans, a deck that's super fast against Demons, you kind of have to, like, you're kind of forced to slow down so much. And it can be kind of frustrating. Well, not I like a bad way. It's just a different learning curve. Yeah, I think that's where the tempo comes in, right? Is that you, uh, as you more you learn your deck, the more fluent you are. The less you have to read the cards, the more you recognize them by the images, and the more you understand the play lines of them. And that just comes with experience in piloting the decks. But then when you go against an opponent that is also very skilled at their deck, but um, then that's when tempo comes in, right? Where it's not just as necessarily you're playing against a deck, you're playing against the player now. And it's, you know, there's there's some players that come into the game and they want, or they play the game and they want to play really fast. Pat is a great example of that. He wants to play the deck extremely fast. Mm-hmm. Matt likes to play his decks extremely fast, right? Where AJ plays his decks slower and more calculated, right? And so that's where, depending on the player you're playing now, that's it's not just, and I think that's where we really wanted to encapsulate it and try and show new players that it's, it's not just the cards versus the cards on the table. It becomes a mental strategy of a player versus a player. And I think that coming out of the COVID lockdowns over the past couple of years, um, where everyone was so distant and everyone was so um, in the online space and there wasn't a lot of in- in-person interaction, I think coming back to game stores now and playing with your friends and family at the kitchen table or anything is that that human interaction that that uh not only do we 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 need it and brave it as as humans but i think games are a great way to to encapsulate that because you have the opportunity to strategize um Mm -hmm. and and think of things that you didn't think before and and critical thinking great for young developing minds but also also great for people um later in life as well because it's like where do you get to experience that um in in the you know the mundane march of life, right? 
Yeah. I mean, we all play games to escape reality and have fun, right? Mm. So it's just like, how do you really make that experience the best? And I think it comes back to growing the player base and new players. Like, how do you make the creativity process, the the build, the deck building process, the how do you make that um, that interaction and that strategic critical thinking the best you can and as streamlined as you can to welcome new players in and and really get people hooked in and escape the reality of everyday life, right? Hundred percent. I mean, and I find I find. I find the best hook was is the community because they are so helpful when you know that's i think it was you know such a big seller of the game is that the community is so it was absolutely wonderful i think it's that we all collectively share such a passion for this game that when someone takes interest in it we kind of like give interest like want to help them so then they can I don't know, because we, as the community that has like played this game for a while, we know that the game is great, but it's like we want to make sure that these people have a positive experience with the game. Because, right, Taylor said it earlier, like your first impression is the most important thing in like anything. Yeah. So, as a new player, Kevin, I have to ask, what, mm-hmm. um. What is the, I know you said the community has been super welcoming and, and super helpful um, for, for, for coming in, um, that's in person as, as well as online, but for players that are coming in or, or wanting to pick up the game through the Kickstarter to try it out um, or through our stores that carry it or our online store where you can, you can buy some Legion's product and stuff, where um, do you feel that, uh, that there's uh, an easy entry point for for players. Um, do you feel like there's a uh, that you know picking something up like this and having direct access to the community? Um, do you feel that it it can help growth in areas, or is there something that that we need to work on? Is what what do you feel? Well, actually, I think I think what you've done was is absolutely wonderful. The fact that you can get you can buy a battle deck. It's a very affordable, and you get two you get two decks with it, plus two booster packs. Uh, you can right out of the box compete. You don't exactly. you don't have to spend a fortune of money, like other games, just just to be able to you know be somewhat competitive. Exactly, and like it, it does come down to that point where it's like, obviously there are like you know the more uh staple cards like void hollow and twilight but i don't feel those are necessary at all right like i've done relatively well in a few of the tournaments and i i like at that time like i, I still at this time i only had a void hollow like but i mean i i think that's gonna become a lot easier to get those staples especially with um with the kickstarter as well but you know, as a new player, you have to try a game out and have to spend a fortune just to oh, be able just to, to try uh, it exactly. Be, yeah, to try and be and be somewhat competitive. I'm not talking about you know winning tournaments. Mm-hmm. I'm just being like you know somewhat competitive. Whereas with other games, you have to go and spend a fortune just exactly. to be able to be somewhat competitive. And so that's really off-putting as a new player to TCGs. Oh no, hundred percent. Like I, I entirely feel you. Right, I was um what was it, back when I first started playing, I was playing Undead, uh, and I started doing, like, pretty decent with pretty much the bare bones, right? Like, you don't need to have all these, like, uh, like, I don't know, super expensive things just to have a decently competitive deck. Yeah. And I think that's just one of the many brilliant things about this. And as a new player, that's what you want. You want to be able to get into a game and not be wiped out in the first two rounds. Oh, 100%. Because if, you're, if, you're, being, if you're being destroyed within the first couple of rounds, then like, that's really off-putting. It's like, well, what's the sense of playing? Yeah. Or in another side of it too, Kevin, I agree with you, is that coming in and not necessarily being wiped out in the first two rounds of play, but 
your wallet being wiped out when you come in. Yeah. You know? Like you, that's that's the that's the the challenge in I think in the TCG world as a whole, right? You see a lot of new games that have popped up over the past you know two three years, and you see a bunch of people jump in, whether it's for the collectability or the investability, or they want to flip the cards, or um, or they want to just try it out and play in their communities. But a lot of times it's trying to figure out that balance because you're you're in a position where everyone's new there's so many new things because there's a new game everyone's new coming in and you know inherently because of rarity ratios on cards some cards are going to be more expensive than others because they're harder to find there's scarcity there's you're trying to track them down right but i think a common misconception uh for people coming from other games or coming from that sphere of new games and that rush that we've had in the past couple years when they look at legions they look at, they see our exalted and our renowned cards, and they just immediately think, well, because they're high rarity, it means that they must be really, really good. And therefore, they're going to have a higher price tag. And then now you've created a paywall for players. But Mac, and I know Mac can attest to this 100%, mm-hmm. is that the majority of the power, most powerful cards in Legions are the common and uncommons. 100%. And I can't stress, I can't stress that enough at how game-changing common and uncommon cards are in this game um, and how much they impact the competitive scene and just not even necessarily to being super competitive just having fun in general with the common and uncommon so many other games they just look at those two slots of rarities and just toss them aside yes we have to have foils yes we have to have chase cards in the game but there are many foils and chase cards that don't even see any competitive play Right, like I, I feel personally like an example is Vault of Souls. Right, I like the card. It's just I feel like it's more difficult to pull off. Right, and it's it's just some of those things. Right, like some of them definitely see play. Right, like Baby Doom sees play in almost every undead deck. Is he better than Prince? I don't believe so. Right, I've lost more games with Baby Doom than I have won, and I. And I feel like that's the most important thing is sure it's nice to have them, but they're not required at all. And that's the thing. I think that um, that is a great aspect for new players coming in, right? Because immediately you see the foil chase cards and you think because somebody has the foil cards that they're just going to dominate you or they have the, they have the, the, they have the quintessential best cards in the game, but really they don't. Right. Um, and not to downplay our collectability and desirability of foils, because yes, obviously there's there can be essential pieces at any level of rarity, but we mainly built the game where your your quintessential cards, the ones that are going to keep you competitive in the game, are found at the lower rarity to make it conducive for new players to to jump in and, and explore and play the game at, at its at its core. So you can play it at you know 90-95% without having to have a single high rarity chase card in your deck. How do, how do you feel about that, Kevin? Um, my audio is really messed up right now. So Matt, what do you, what do you feel as though, uh, do you think that that is something that, that works well for you or? All right. Can you uh, repeat it? I was just saying, is uh, that, is that, is, is, my, say, is that, oh, sorry, go for it. My audio is completely messed up. Is it? Yeah, mine was messed up for a sec. I, um, I didn't hear, like, what the original, like, question was that works well. Uh, sometimes we get technical difficulties. <laughs> I can hear you guys both well, but, okay. um, yeah, it was just, it was just saying that when you come into, um, as a new player, uh, coming in and knowing that, you don't have to track down these big, big chase cards. Um, you know that it's it's it adds to um, it's... the easy and the affordability of the game and the ease of getting into it um, without it feeling like it's going to crush a pocketbook as well as it's as refreshing. Well as it's... <laughs> Very refreshing. yeah. I'm going in seeing, hey, there's a couple good things here for a few dollars. I'd think, wow, that's perfect, and. 
you know, I was running, what was it? I was, I wasn't even running any, um, like for my first few major tournaments, like I wasn't even running any exalteds or any renowns. I just like was just running undead and then I ran angels, but I borrowed the exalted, like a lot of the communities going to be able to like lend you stuff so it's if you can't track it down but you need it for like a specific event they're super like um they're super acknowledging of that so i think it works perfectly well i think with that matt i know that kevin's having some uh, some audio issues there uh and, you know technical difficulties happen uh out of our control um so I, I think we're coming to a, to a close for this episode of Legion's Lounge, but I have to say that having having you on board, Kevin, and bringing you into the community, I know you you uh, you also brought in. Uh, I mean, your children are coming in and playing as well. I think that's excellent. You know, the community didn't just grow by one; it grew by three. Um, having more local players uh, seeing it seeing it thrive and be welcoming, um, and just seeing your positive feedback, you know, that's it goes to show that um, what the mission statement I tried to set out for the game originally and what the community has been able to do. Um, and you're reciprocating your feedback back about that and how great it's been and how welcoming it's been. Um, you know, that's uh, it's reassuring going forward that we're on the right path or we're doing the right stuff um, and the game is going in the right direction. So, yeah, they, ha they have been really enjoying the game. And that's awesome. I, I see like, you know, you know, some when they're opening packs and, you know, uh, there, there's laughs being had and, and, you know, they're like, oh, this card looks really cool. I know that overall your kids really enjoyed the artwork of the game. Um, and I, I think that, you know, there's always the different aspects of visual appeal for the game, but also um, just like you said, in many ways, affordability, the community, we try and we try and check all the boxes. Right. Uh, yeah. But hearing hearing your guys feedback um both you yourself and, and your children hearing their their feedback um it just it goes to show that uh we're proud of where we are and how mm -hmm. far we've come and um it's just that positive reinforcement that you're like hey you know we're doing what we set out to do and we appreciate you guys so much being in the community welcome to the legions community welcome to uh, welcome to this this awesome this awesome growing uh, dream of ours and I can't thank you enough for being here and being along the ride with us. Well, it's been great. It's also been, you know, great that the community has been so helpful and so welcoming and everything. 100%. So with, with that, I think, like I said, Kickstarter's coming out very shortly, March 6th. We're going live with it. Um, we're taking everything that we learned from the first one, applying it to this one. Um, you know, we're only human and we consistently grow and move forward like we do with the community and you know, we always get these great people like Kevin that jump in and uh, and learn with us, grow with us, and uh, and really um, help make the game what it is. And we hope you do the same when you uh, when you hit that notify button to sign up to get notified for Kickstarter when it goes live. Um, check it out and and uh, and get into this get into this game and let's let's grow together. Let's make this dream more reality. Matt, where can people find us if they're not been, haven't found us or any of our older podcasts uh, so, or any of our ones in the future? So you can find this and all past and future episodes on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Basically anywhere where there's like an audio kind of platform, we're there. Well, and that's that's great. If you are already following along with us, make sure you tune in and listen every Monday um, outside of holiday Mondays like we had in the last one. Um, but uh, the Legion's Lounge is always welcome to uh, and, and appreciate your time listening, um, whether it's on the commute to work, whether it's on the, the drive back from work, whether you're cleaning the house, out doing stuff. Um, I know we've been we've had Andrew's been absent for the past uh, for the past few episodes, but we did get confirmation now as his life is settling down. He will be coming back to the Legion's Lounge. Um, I don't believe it'll be this episode or the next one, but um, 
it, uh, it'll be in the near future. Uh, Andrew will be rejoining the, the Legion's Lounge team, so it'll be great to have him back. We'll probably just do an episode with just with him um, just to see, you know, where he's been, how things are going and everything like that. But in the meantime, we appreciate everything you've done for us so far, Kevin, uh, jumping in, being part of the community and uh, having that grassroots growth like we did with Jake and um, and having you along the ride, you know, um, community growth is number one because without you guys, we don't exist. So thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you very much for having me. And with that, have a good rest of your day. You, yeah, have a good day, guys. See you next. Uh, see you next Monday.